Sure. Thank you, Father, for giving us understanding today as we apply your word to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to talk about the promise and the oath. I know we've spoken about this before, but there were some things that God showed me this week about um, the difference between the two and why we need both uh, to uh, and, and uh, why God's word is so different than any other words that are spoken because they contain certain elements that are very very powerful um, powerful elements the promise actually discloses the mind and the intent of God. So his promise is his word. When we talk about people promising and giving their word on things. <clears throat> I was speaking with somebody and asked them if they reminded them of something they had told me they were going to do. And I, I reminded them. I said, well, you promised you were going to get this done. I promised. You know, as though when you say you're going to do something, that's different from promising. And it struck me that people see their word as not binding. You got me? I can remember uh, when in the early days of my marriage to my husband and when we were dating, I would ask him if, if... I would do something. He'd do something for me. And he said, well, if I can. He always put it so that he had a loophole to get out of it. And so I started telling him the same thing when he would ask me things. And he looked, you know, like disappointed. I said, that's what you've been doing to me all the time when you tell me the same thing. You got me? And so people need to understand that when they give their word, that has to mean something to them. It can't be something that you can worm out of at your convenience. If that's true about your words, what do you think, how do you think God sees when you pray and ask him for things? Can you expect the same uh, higher level of integrity, so to speak, out of God than out of yourself when you sow these seeds? I mean, how can you look at God being more faithful and you being less and that being okay? See, that's that's not okay. And I think that's what God has been trying to get into us all these years. Uh, that it's not okay that we have a different picture of life than he has because if we do that life that we uh, envision won't work for us God wants a life for us that will work and so this is why he gives us an oath and a promise and he puts that same ability in us when he when we, he gives us authority to speak his word or use his word he expects us to expect that that word has the same character it has the same potential on it that if he that as if he spoke it himself if he were there speaking it himself he wants us to know that when we speak his word and when we operate in this earth we need to expect the same results that he expects when he speaks his word out of his mouth it's it can't be any different than that anytime we diminish the importance of our words then we are, are in trouble as far as understanding our purpose and getting the results that we want to get in this world. So the promise is the word or the words of God 
And the promise discloses the mind and intent of God. So his word, when you read his word, you understand what he thinks. What he intends to have happen in certain situations. For instance, if we see that God is a God who hates evil. We know that when we apply the word to situations that are evil and we expect God to operate, God will remove all evil from that situation without, you know, goofing around with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why sometimes when God moves in certain situations, we're a little disappointed because we're thinking Uh, according to our emotions and our intent and we're not allowing God to minister his word the way he wants to minister it got me and so many times we'll superimpose our values our character our desires our wants on top of the word of God and we'll think that God's human in that he's emotional he's soulish and he's all of these things like we are and he's not he's God and so when he gives us his word his promise or his mind is reflected in the promise and we know the promises of God by reading his word in fact that's why David said your law is my delight he said I find so many good things in the word of God I find so many wonderful things in here I could stay in here all day long it's amazing when we need to stand there all day long we hate it <laughs> Why can't we have the same attitude about God's word all the time? You know, uh, or you know, sometimes you 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 want to get the word in you because you have a, a need, and the, mostly it's a need for healing. You know, that's where where the rubber meets the road with some of us, and we can't get that last thing taken care of because we keep putting off spending that time meditating on God's word and so it's it's uh that way sometimes because uh, your your flesh and your carnal mind and the world around you will fight the word of God it's anti-word the carnal word the carnal ways the world system are against God's word and so there's great resistance to yielding to it and there's resistance to staying with it. Once you prayed the word of God, you'll get uh, battle fatigue, uh, shell shock, battle weary. All these things uh, begin to come against you as you're uh, endeavoring to, uh, uh, you know, keep hold of the word and keep hold of your faith and let your faith work. And so there is great pressure against the word of God for it to be established in the earth and manifest Um, the promise then discloses the mind intent and I'm, I'm sorry the oath discloses the character of God so we said the promise discloses his mind the oath discloses his character how strongly does he feel about doing this for us that's what the oath does And the oath is there to impart what the Bible describes as strong consolation. So you're you're consoling yourself with the strength of God, not with the weakness of humanity. There's a big difference. When people, you know, uh, 
say for instance if you find somebody who's had a tremendous loss you're lost for words because what do you what do you know to do to how to this is a spiritual matter and it takes a really highly skilled spiritual person to know how to intervene in those situations and so sometimes the best comfort is to just be there and not say much you know I found that to be uh, something that works all the time and uh, and so it's it's one of those things where uh, in 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 situations where uh, there's extreme need you need strong consolation you need strength you need hope you need to, someone to come along and impart what's been taken away and in a real sense um, oftentimes you can't if it's a loss of a loved one you can't replace that person but God is wise enough to come in and impart something that will help comfort undergird strengthen encourage that person to keep going uh, encourage them not to give up encourage them to hope for a new day those things have to be put in by someone who's highly skilled in a spiritual nature and only God can do that uh, even the most skilled minister our words are very hollow uh, in times when people have extreme need and so an intercession is very important in that situation because then we can release what word we know that we believe will help them we can release that in the realm of the spirit and we can release it from our hearts that we desire something good to happen for that person and God can take that request and tailor make what that what he gives to that person to fit that need and so God's oath discloses his character, his extreme desire to perform that which is good for us. So we know that words are descriptive. They describe uh, uh, things and they tell us what's really going on. They give us a picture of what we see and what is going on. What we see as as humans is is a, a reflection of many things, and so what we see can be distorted, and what we see can be uh, embellished upon, and it can be perverted, it can be twisted, and we can fall prey to deception in in our our seeing and our thinking. Oftentimes, what we see is punctuated by our character. See, it's punctuated by what we value, what we like, what we don't like, and all those things. So our words are never pure as far as that goes. I mean, I, I think God can purify them, but, but we do the best we can. But God's words, on the other hand, are pure. In fact, his words are expressions of his thoughts, his ideas, his mental pictures and visions. His words will express our future and give us an exact picture of who we are. Not who we hope to be, but who we really are. <clears throat> words give voice to a person's heart. Now with God, his heart and his mind are connected perfectly. There's no disconnect there. With human beings, we have a disconnect. You can you can fix your words so that they don't reveal what's in your heart. 
you can fix your words so that they stay on a superficial level and nobody knows how you really feel about anything it's called deception and we all have that kind of like evil working sometimes oftentimes we think we're being um, discreet or we think we're being uh, wise and we're oftentimes trying to deceive we're trying to portray something about ourselves that's not quite right not that you need to tell everything to everybody all the time but you need to be doing it with a pure heart with not with a heart to want to hide things or be ashamed of things or deceive but with a pure heart and that is a heart that desires to reveal what's right to reveal and and not reveal what's not right to reveal at that time so there's a difference one's guided by the spirit of god and it gives discretion is guided by the spirit of god deception is divide is is uh you know guided by uh, pride and and things like that 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 we we shouldn't be indulging in so if we were without weakness our words will reflect our our hearts an inner goodness only but we do have weakness we have weakness in our uh our thinking about ourselves and and trust in other people all of that kind of stuff and so if if our words are guided by our weakness it won't reflect the inner goodness that's in our hearts and our born again hearts the case with god is that he is good all the time and so God has no weakness in him he has no darkness in him he's good all the time so his word is good all the time and we can trust his word to reflect his good in all situations in all situations Psalm 119.11 tells us let me read it 119 <clears throat> verse 11 He says, your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the word of God only reflects goodness and it can't be compared to other human words. And his word actually has transferable goodness in it. Nobody else's words will do that for you. Uh, you know, we, we can give each other pep talks all day long. And I can try and encourage you as best I can. And if I don't use the word of God, it's not going to have any really major impact in your life. And so his word has transferable goodness in it. Everything it touches is good. That's why the writer of the psalm says, I'm going to hide this in my heart. So that when I get ready to step out into the world and conduct myself, I can do it in a pure way, just like your word is pure. So that word has transferable goodness on it. The essence of that word is transferable. God is sinless and his word is sinless even when it's applied outside of himself when that word is spoken and it's you say like in if if i use the word of god in a conversation with someone and that word is pure and sinless that it it can be applied outside of god and outside of the one who's speaking it It'll be transferred on to other people. For instance, if you say, for instance, if you are speaking with someone and they have choices to make, they can choose. Well, you know, say if it's a young person, they want to choose. Do I go out 
with some some friends to a club or do I refuse to go and do that and if you tell them you know well the Bible says bad company corrupts good manners and your 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 way of living your manners or manner of living is good as long as you're obeying God's word if the company you get into is bad eventually you might be able to do this for a season and get away with it but eventually it's going to corrupt you do you want to be corrupted on the inside and so that word will will purify outside of itself it begins to purify that conversation if that person receives that word or ponders it or met if you can get somebody to think about God's word and what it's saying it has the ability to transfer the essence of itself onto that individual it just does that nobody else's words do that stuff but in order for us to 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 get people to believe certain things I forget how many repetitions but uh, psychologists are always uh, doing studies on how many repetitions of certain phrases it takes to get people to begin to uh, adopt them or begin to say them or begin to believe them. It's called brainwashing. Sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's very obvious but it takes that over and over and over again submersing people into that that's the way dictators do things the communists uh, went through great lengths to get people to believe what they were telling them they had to go back and undo history and rewrite history again and then indoctrinate the people what they always call propaganda you know it was something that was made up that they wanted people to believe there were even uh, 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 state run all the state run media outlets only taught you certain things only uh, were or you are only allowed to say certain things and we see a lot of that come into our culture now where there are certain ways of thinking and believing are only acceptable and if you don't go along with that uh, you're you're branded as a heretic you're branded you know and in those days in a communist and a dictatorship they can come and take you out of your home and put you in prison and all of those things and don't say it won't happen here because little by little we're seeing our freedom eroded and and liberal thought come into play in such a degree that now you know they're going to try and make ministers marry homosexuals as a as a uh, personal affront to our our values and our way of life and so we have to understand that is all the more important for us to speak God's word which because it is a pure word and because it has the ability to transfer its essence onto the hearer we've got to even more proclaim the word of God you have to even more declare what God says we have to get off of these petty arguments and allowing the enemy to set the agenda for our public conversation see we have never been told by God to argue with people over certain kinds of sin whether it's sin or not we're told to preach the gospel and see a lot of times people get 
baited into these conversations the bible re- refers to them as as striving you know and and uh, a vain kind of vain speaking and in conversations that don't really amount to much we get baited into doing those things because we let the enemy set the agenda we let the enemy set the platform we let the enemy set everything instead of going out and and preaching the gospel the way the lord told us to do it see when the enemy sees us willing to compromise on our message then he's able to set the platform the agenda all of these things so that he has the upper hand in things and then the uh, the believer steps into it because he thinks oh boy this is a big audience you know this is this is an open door from God all this kind of stuff we think and we step into these traps of the enemy and we're not equipped to handle because we're not setting the agenda we're not setting the conversation we're having it set for us because we're allowing the enemy to dominate because we let him think there's something we want that he has and that's totally wrong for the believer the devil's people should never think they have something that you want never you have something they want and this is what we have to do we have to go forth in power and authority of God Jesus didn't follow sinners and and hookers around just to be in their company that's what the Pharisees accused him of they came to him they came to his meeting and he didn't throw them out he ministered to them just like he ministered to everybody else he saw no difference in their sin the Pharisees sin anybody else's sin that was sitting there he ministered to the man to the person so that they could see the purity that was available to them they could see that he saw them as pure people because he treated them as though they were and he allowed them to hear the truth and then make their decision as to how they wanted to respond to the truth if you never get people to hear truth they'll never be able to make that decision as to how they want to respond to the truth so we have to we have to be there and preach and and set the agenda we set the agenda the enemy never sets the agenda because the word of God is pure enough for us to be secure in it that we know that we can set the agenda and we can set the platform and the people will respond look at Billy Graham Look at what that one man did. You know, of course, he had a lot of people helping him. They're all pulled into his his employ by God. But look at what he was able to do just in in broadcasting, setting up posters around cities, getting venues through prayer, through believing God. And he always set his own agenda. He always set his own platform and he got the results of God without fail without fail and so we we have to continue to do that we can't allow ourselves to be manipulated and duped because somebody owns a a tv station and they want us on their show you know that you can't sell out for those those mere things those are mere things and who's to know if you don't reach more people touching them one by one than you would on any kind of big platform you know uh, that that the enemy would set for you I'm not talking about what God builds for you I'm talking about the kind the enemy sets for us and so we have to be very very careful uh, about keeping the purity of the word established because when that word goes out that word transfers 
the essence of the author of those words onto it. And that word will do what it says it's going to do. The word, uh, uh, the word of God is very pure. Psalm one nineteen one forty tells us that. Psalm twelve six, Psalm nineteen eight, all of those scriptures establish that God's word is pure. Psalm one fourteen one nineteen one forty says the word is very pure. I'll read that one. It says thy word is very pure. Therefore, your servant loves it. So what that word means is that it's totally trustworthy in the most uh, 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 delicate of situations. If there's a, a real hard situation in your life, you can trust God and his word with it. It's amazing how some people will trust God to, to ask him for a job and ask him for finances, but they won't trust him with their bodies. Got me? They'll just run to the doctor and think nothing of it. Won't even ask God, uh, pray before they go in. You know, if we'd ever stop and pray before we go run to a doctor, it'd shock you sometimes what God will tell you. But we're afraid he's going to say, don't go. And if your faith is, is not there, he won't tell you not to go. Whatever he tells you to do, he'll give you the faith to do it. We were so afraid. And see, this is the other thing. What does that say about what we think about God's character? Is he a mean God or is he a good God? Is he a compassionate God? Is he a helping God? Or is he a God that doesn't care about us? We just pushes us to do things that we're not equipped to do. And see, we have to confront these wrong conceptions of God's character. Because his character is pure just like his word is pure. It's spoken out of the character of a pure God. Of a good God. Of a holy God. Of a just God. And so he won't demand of us something that we're incapable of doing. He just wants us to give him access to our lives in those areas. So purity really means there's nothing wrong with his word. It's right all the time. When we ask him for something in faith, then he really is compelled by his character to perform it. He must perform it. His, his oath has, has promised us that. God's word is, is pure because it's been tried. And there hasn't been anything wrong found in it ever. That word pure actually really means to be, it's been sifted. That, that means gotten it down to the, the bare kernel. And it's found to be full of goodness. Once you get down to the bare nugget of God's word, it's full of goodness. We went, did we do Psalm 119.11 yet? His word reflects his goodness. Yeah. And God's words then cannot be compared to human words ever. His word is transferable goodness on it. And everything it touches is good. So everything we send God's word out over, it's good. 
if you sing God's word out over your grandchildren it's good if you sing God's word out over their schools it's good if you sing God's word over out over a jail if you've got a loved one imprisoned or something like that it's good it turns that situation good if you'll send the word out over those things <clears throat> God created man in his image and man was good and there was no flaw in us no problem with us the problem of, of course came with deception and with the fall what we call the fall but it's actually a deception that the enemy worked inside of us so the deception really was to call good evil and evil good God comes back then to correct our vision about ourselves and about everything that we see deception because it's evil had the power to separate us from the goodness of God lest we be judged by that goodness God refused to judge us by his goodness anymore you got me so we didn't fall into immediate judgment we fall fell into a separation which was a separation is a delay of judgment it's like married people do. And we're going to have a trial separation. That means you ain't really made your mind up yet. But you keep doing that and you will. The divorce is imminent. And you know. But God separated us for our goodness. Of course lest we eat of that tree of, of the you know a tree of life and live forever in a sinless condition. We were separated from the goodness of God instead of judged right there and and it, we we die a slow death he said we would surely die we died really a slow death death being separation from God but in that separation there's mercy for us to come back to him and come back into eternal life and so God did not want us set in death eternally so he chose death the separation from him and with the vision to bring us back to him to his goodness that's why it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance everybody can expect judgment for their sin I mean you don't even have to know a scripture to know a little kid knows that when they do bad they don't they don't know what to expect but they know it's not going to be good so we all know have a sense of judgment we all have a sense of a foreboding uh, until we see he's good and so he brings us back to repentance through his goodness this is very important to know because what God offers everybody is eternal life and that's his ultimate goodness see when we when we pray for people pray for the sick we are offering them eternal life which is is God's intervention in the natural course that their illness would take and so you offer the goodness of God to that individual just the same way Jesus would. Jesus would heal the sick. Jesus would forgive sinners. Jesus would let them know that they have a chance to be accepted by him if they will repent and receive his goodness again. So when we came to God through repentance, it's because he contacted him. He contacted us with his goodness. Well, that came back to us again 
And he then when you receive God. He pronounces you good again. Through the imputed righteousness of Christ Jesus. So then we're able to have fellowship with him again. We're able to come into his presence without fear. Without trepidation. Without you know we can just lift up holy hands and and know we're accepted feel like we're at home and feel good about ourselves again and feel good about our relationship with God and so those things are very important to know that we he brings us back to his goodness God wants to be good to everybody because he is good and he wants to share that goodness with everyone He doesn't want us to be on the outs again. He doesn't want people to just wallow in their sin and feel there's no hope for them. He wants to pronounce us good again. So God's heart's desire then is to restore goodness to us. And that's reflected in his word. Everywhere in his word you see what he thinks about us. You see how he views us. You see the plans he has for us. You don't give good things to bad people. If we're not if we're not judged righteous and and embraced in God's goodness again, then why on earth would he share his kingdom with us? Why on earth would he promise us good things if we're bad people? And so we have to get the concept of who we are in Christ straight inside of us so that God can do these great things because if we don't, he will always be hindered by our bad concept of ourselves. The bad words that we've got stored up in us that make us ineligible for his goodness will dominate instead of picking up the reflection of God's word so that we can operate freely in his covenant, freely in his goodness and freely in his love. You know, as true prophetic people, we can we can sit here and we can declare the word of God and we can go out and expect that word to carve a path for us as we go through life and and we can receive everything thing that God has for us because that word is working on our behalf because we've accepted what the word says about us we accept what it says about our neighbor we accept what it says about God and we can go forth in life unhindered because that purity has come in us again so God's word expresses his heart of love toward his creation Goodness is better for us than evil. And once you experience the goodness of God. And you repent of the, the, the old life and the evil life. Then you go forth and you realize that goodness is better for you than evil. You actually experience that. So that's why it's so hard for the believer. Who, who really knows God to turn away from that because he's turning away from who he is he's turning away from what he knows he's turning away from total goodness you know you'd, you'd have to have somebody who's never really embraced it totally I don't think I don't think people really embrace totally the goodness of God turn away from it there's something always gnawing at people on the inside you know this little thing that uh, you know when something doesn't happen for them it just bugs them and bugs them and bugs them and they never deal with it you know uh, something um, something just keeps 
tearing away and tearing away at the goodness that God is trying to plant on the inside of that person's heart. They, they, they're scornful and cynical type people. And, it, and, and they give God so much time to do something for them and they're done. You understand what I'm saying? It's easy for them. And so there's that, that thing in there that's never really grabbed onto the nature and character of God to go with the word. Because if you're trying to work the word and you don't have a sense of the character, the goodness of the person who gave you the word, you're going you're gonna to quit. You're, you're not, it's not going to make sense for you. Or you'll try it for a minute and you'll, you'll pretty much work the natural realm and not really work in the kingdom because you're, you, you're, your concept of God is, is kind of screwy. You know, I, I always think about that parable about the talent, about the guy that buried the gift. And, and I think there are many people who bury the thing that they need to release to God to show they trust him because they know he's trustworthy and he's faithful. See, that's the only way we can, we can validate who God is is by how we respond to him. Can you trust him with everything? Are you still trying to hide something from him and keep it back and like he doesn't know you got it? And it's getting old and it's getting dirty. He says, you told the guy, he said, man, if you just invested it, I mean, okay, so I am, I am a hard taskmaster. I am a mean God. You should have at least invested my money. You do that for a mean person. You know, if you think I'm mean, you know I'm going to be angry at you if you don't show me some profit. So what's your problem here? And so that, that negative concept of who God is has to be dealt with in all of us. There's some in there for everybody because the enemy puts it in everybody. So it's not like you don't have that to be to contend with. Sometimes we are harboring. You know, if you're not 100%, you know, sometimes we say things like, well, God told me to, to spend an hour in prayer and we never get around to it. Why didn't you do it? If you believe God's good, then there must be a good reward for you if you will sow that effort into what you're doing. Why didn't you do it? If, if you believe in the good character, okay, he gave you something to do, you believe he's good, he's going to reward you for what you do, why didn't you do it? And I think it's because we never string all of that together. See, we see a command from God only in terms of what it's going to cost us, how hard it's going to be, we're never going to get through it, there's no, even, no reason to even try, well, why won't you get through it? If he's good, he loves you, he's giving you something to do for your own benefit, why can't you follow through on it for somebody who's got that much going for him? Huh? I mean, we do more for humans and they can't do anything for us. <clears throat> That's the truth too. Yeah. You know, we, we do things hoping that people will will give us a little time or a little attention. Take everything we have and turn it over to them or try to, you know, get in their good graces with things. And God gives us very simple things to do that, that you know, will will give us volumes. Or we'll do it for a couple of days and see if, if that changes anything. Well, it's not going to change anything because you're not committed to it. So if you're not committed to it, 
why do it in the first place? When God gives you something to do, He wants you to build a life around that. He's not giving you, He's not giving you an hour of prayer to do for a week to see if you get some results. He wants you to incorporate that into your lifestyle forever. And so this is the thing that really holds us back mostly, is understanding that when we get involved in things with God, it's never a temporary thing, and we can go back to the way we used to do things. He He wants us to make that permanent change and so I think what God does is he helps us to make that change and make that transition because he's a good God he helps us with everything else why wouldn't he help us with the difficult things sometimes we need to take that hour and spread it out to 15 minutes four times a day an hour's an hour you got me or you know if you can take that and and make it 15 of worship if worship's easier for you start with the worship thing you know and that kind of stuff anything that you can do to show God you trust him you're moving toward it and you heard when he told you to do it and you intend to get it done that's how you conquer uh, the flesh man and then the resistance that's put up against God so he blesses us with goodness by giving us his view of things and expressing his heart to us when somebody opens up to you that's that's a high honor that means that they trust you that they consider you a friend when God made covenant with Abraham he said should I hide what I'm going to do for him God can either hide it from you or he can reveal it to you so revelations a big deal you know that's he shared his innermost thoughts his heart imagine if the enemy could get some of the information that we get from God I mean deep heartfelt revelation where we can meditate on it keep it in and and then get out and do what we need to do with it some of the things that he shares with us that work for us you understand what I'm saying if the devil could be privy to that kind of revelation understanding if he could string three scriptures together and make it make sense boy he could turn the world upside down look at we do with the little bit that we get right sometimes and so <clears throat> the fact that God wants to bless us with his goodness by revealing his heart and his mind to us it's a big thing folks you don't do that with sometimes the best of friends that you have. You don't tell them everything that you think or everything you're going through. And sometimes if you do, that's when they want to get lost. You, know, you can't trust people, you know, in other words. So, so this is a big deal. So what we have to do then in order to show God that we value what he's sharing with us, we have to accept and receive it. It's the only way to show God gratitude for revelation is accepting it, receiving it, and acting on it. For instance, when he tells you that he accepts you the way you are and he loves you uh, just the way you are. And don't worry about the flaws. I've got a plan for that. So just come in and worship me and put everything aside and love me just like that. When God tells you that kind of stuff, that's a deep revelation of what's in his heart toward you. And the way you show him you appreciate that is by accepting and believing and quit saying, well, I don't just, I just don't know why I can get free and I can't do this. And I, Stop it. 
stop it and take his word for what he's told you just believe his word and believe it all the way down the line so the best thing that we can do is accept these tokens of his love toward us revelation is a token of his love his goodness is a token of his love so whatever God says about us in his word is how he sees us and how he values us and there's a purity there that we have to receive and accept you can't negate his word and and try to pretend like you're all not worthy and you're all not this and you're all not that you have to humble yourself and let that word just pour into you and begin to accept it and act like it's true you've got to act like you really believe it and the results will come See, the results will come. At some point, somebody will say exactly about you what God has said about you in the secret place. And you'll know that it's real now. See, that's the confirmation. That's when the world sees it as well. Psalm 119, 114. Let me see what that one says. 114. The, The word of God has his desired result for us in it as well whatever God wants for us it's in his word it's in his word it brings hope and it brings the hope of its coming to pass for us for us Psalm 119 114 he says thou art my hiding place and my shield I hope in your word so when when that word comes to you in its purest form just you reading that word and you accept that word don't block it and try to push it out and, and say it's not for you but when that word comes inside of you then it gives you hope for it, it in, contains in it once you receive the word of God it contains in it everything that you need to make sure that it's real that it happens and that it comes to pass for you it's a hiding place and a shield for you in other words it shields you from the onslaught of the enemy who would come and tell you who do you think you are that God's going to do that for you you know what what have you done I'm oh God will do he does that for some he does that for them people that have a whole bunch of faith like you know it's not for you it's what he'll always tell you you know you slap your hands down when you ask for something or get your hand out the cookie jar that's not your stuff you know that kind of stuff and so the enemy likes to see us get our our <clears throat> our hope up in things and then come and dash it pour cold water on it you know just put it out put the flame out if he can and so that's always the result of the enemy's influence over the word. The Bible tells us that our major warfare is casting down these imaginary thoughts. These vain imaginations that come to us because they're vain because number one, anything that's not of God is vain. It's never going to happen. You can believe it if you want to, but it's never going to happen. So God's word is always the desired result for us. And that word brings with it the hope of its coming to pass. So you you die another day in other words. You take a dose of God's word on your deathbed and you put death off for another day. 
because that word brings a hope of its coming to pass on the inside of it. And, and you know, you won't die, you'll live and declare the works of the Lord. You know, a, a scripture, a scripture with your dinner, a scripture with your breakfast, a scripture with your, your, <laughs> I probably, I probably have 12 of them, but I just got a snack, got to have my almond, got to have my jelly beans, got to have a, uh, I'd be healthy, healthy, healthy. <laughs> Take a scripture with all that. You got a bunch of scriptures all day long. <laughs> but you let that, they bring hope of it coming to pass. Your, your carnal mind is only going to be able to fight that word for so long. You know, you'd have to put up a good religious fight to keep that word of healing from coming in there. Why? Because your spirit man likes it. He wants to see it come to pass. He said, oh, I get to, to demonstrate eternal life when, I, when this comes to pass. See, there's a, a great uh, 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 influence on your spirit for good when that word comes in because there's, there's light and hope that comes in with that word. You let that word settle in on you. And there's life and there's hope that comes in there. There's enlightenment that comes in there. There's an energy, a new life that comes in there. That it brings uh, uh, strength to your spirit man. So he gets to live another day and that disease gets to die. You got me? <clears throat> and pretty soon it'll be eliminated from your blood work, from your tests, from your whatever. Just by taking that every day. I remember, um, uh, who was it? I think it was Derek Prince. Said he had a very, very, he was in the service in the military. Um, and he said he had, a, a, had con contracted some kind of fungal infection. And the, when he w went to the doctors, the base doctors, there was no cure for it. And there's nothing they could give him. And he said that he was reading his Bible. He was a Christian then. He was reading his Bible. And he happened upon Proverbs 4.20 through 22. My son, attend to my words. And that got his attention. And he said, I better pay attention to this. And he kept reading it. And he said, the word was medicine to my flesh. And he talked to the Lord about it. He said, God, do you mean to tell me they can't find antibiotic to treat me, but I can take your word just like it's medicine and it will heal me. And God told him, yes. And he took that word with just like he would have. He said, well, if they gave me pills, I would take them perhaps four times times a day after every meal and that's the way he took the word of God and little by little that that infection cleared up the rash and the symptoms cleared up and he was totally healed by taking the word just like medicine and why because every time he took it there was hope put on the inside of him see it's hard to keep in what we call faith without hope Putting, putting a light there at the end of the tunnel that you can see that if you keep going that way you'll get there. That's what the word of God does with us when it's believed. Now if we want to sit up and act like it's foreign to us and we can't quite get it and all this kind of stuff then it won't give us. The, that word will take care of any problem we have. Any problem. Just has to be applied to it. And we're going to have people that, that come into the house of God that have big problems, folks. That we're going to have to believe with them that if we release the word of God.
to help them that they're getting hope every day it's getting better it's not getting worse it may seem like it's getting worse from outside inspection but you look on the inside of you and there's somehow you don't quit and you don't give up because that word once it starts to take root gives you day to day hope that it will come to pass. There's no two ways about it. You hope you need to focus more on the word. If you get dis- distracted and start looking at situation how long it's been and look at who's influencing it over there and so and so's got something to say about it over here and all those people ganged up against me I was quite looking at that nonsense it's your imagination anyway all that stuff isn't going on what's going on is what God says what does God say in his goodness he says in his goodness that he will bring all of these blessings upon you and they will overtake you and run after you if you will trust him and you'll believe in him and so that's what you you might have to have another scripture to go with that scripture you got me more light bring more light in on the situation so you can clearly see to the end of the you'll see the end of the devil's trouble and after that ends you'll see the promise of God and it's a shining light it grows brighter and brighter the closer you get to it just keep declaring the word don't quit saying what God says the day you take a day off is the day the enemy gains on you. And he starts to convince you that darkness is, is more powerful than light. And that's not true. <clears throat> so God's oath then reflects his character. You need to know that God is faithful. Hebrews 10.29 tells us that. I hope it's 1129. <laughs> oh, it's not that either. Oh, I wrote it down wrong. About God being faithful. It says, faithful is he who has promised who will also perform it. Praise the Lord. Well, we'll get the reference in a minute. Miss Clarita will look for it for me. Praise God. Thank you all. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. In other words, don't quit saying what God says without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And he says, let us consider one another to provoke one another to love and good works. Not toward bad behavior or any of that kind of stuff. I'm convinced that people who who forsake God or go away or lose hope or lose heart never allow they're never consistent in their confession. They're inconsistent. And if you're not faithful in your confession, you can't expect God's faithfulness to come into your life. You won't be able to believe for it. 
to you won't if if you're not faithful you won't it, there's something about his word that when it works on you and you can demonstrate it your expectation of it from him is complete if you're not operating in it and believing in it yourself to the fulfillment of it you'll never believe that he can do it for you it just won't happen you can't have a one-edged sword working in your life where it's going to work on the outside and not on the inner it tends to work the inner first and then the outer and so and many times in your your desire to please God if you really feel you're not pleasing to him it's it's not going to be received by you anyway if he were to give it to you and so there's something about the the inner the the word of God working and transforming you on the inside that makes you uh it makes you judge yourself worthy to receive what God has. Other than that, your faith won't be extended out to receive what God has for you. So there's there's something there in the word that has to bring the the desire change within us before we'll be able to believe God for those things ourselves. I remember when uh uh my husband first passed away uh, God put my faith to the test and I found that I was believing in him uh, him working through my husband you know and you take God out of the equation of course you're believing in man and so my my faith had to be tested in that I had to operate the exact same way that I did when he was alive that, that I do now and it's not diminished in any way because if I was believing God all along I should be believing him now and so it was it was really a challenge for me to get it out of my mind what had happened in the natural and not let the natural influence my spiritual faith and I found that that if you'll protect it's about protecting your faith against the disaster that the enemy has planned because then I, I sometimes I look at, at sometimes uh, women who have lost a spouse and they got to have support groups and they got to have this group and that group and everybody's praying for everybody and working so hard to get the things that God has already stored up for you if you believe that he has them for you see it just it, it's it's unfortunate that we'll let natural circumstances that happen to everybody deteriorate, cause our relationship and our trust in God to, to deteriorate and not to at least remain the same if not increase. God's put increase in all of us. And you've got to believe he increases you no matter what your situation is. It's, it's got to be that way or this thing is not it's not supernatural faith it's dependent too much upon natural circumstances uh, and being favorable to you to what your mind thinks they should be so <clears throat> God is faithful his oath reflects his character when God swears he pledges himself He's, he stakes his own life against his word so his promise is backed by the integrity of the one who is faithful 
Deuteronomy 7.9 referred to him as the faithful God. Which means Baal and all them other brothers y'all be you know, burning incense to and sacrificing your kids to. You can't count on them. And so you can count on him though. You can count on him because he upholds the world by the word of his power. If you can look out and see the sun come up every day and go down at night and the moon comes up, then you can judge him faithful just based on that. As long as you live, that's happened. And it happens because he does it. It's not some great something out there that's doing it. It's God. He made promise to Abraham and fulfilled it. Even when Abraham was past age. And Abraham... And Sarah judged him faithful. You serve a God who cannot lie. Not will not, cannot. It's impossible for him to lie. He's bound in by two immutable things. The promise wasn't strong enough. He had to bring an oath to make it real. Abraham told him that. He had God's word. But he didn't have the oath yet. And he said, how am I going to know this is going to happen? And so God swore in his blood. Gave him the oath and that sealed it. He will not change his mind once he says he's going to do something. Will not change his mind. He's going to do it. If he doesn't do it for you, he's going to do it for somebody. So you might as well be the one. God promises to do good all the time. He never promises evil. You got me? Now, if you don't line up with him, evil will befall you. But he's not the author of it. You get that from the God that you serve. You got me? So it's about serving the fruits that come from it. God can always intervene with his mercy if we will ask him to interrupt any kind of negative circumstance. That's what prayer is for. We're asking God to interrupt negative circumstances that are coming to the earth or coming into a person's life. His judgments are good and righteous and faithful all the time. All of his judgments are. You don't have to be afraid of the judgment of God. You got me? Because they're good and righteous and faithful. The Bible says if the righteous smite me it's a kindness. Anything that comes from a righteous person is good. Deuteronomy 7.9 He never forgets his covenant. And he keeps it mercifully. So he keeps covenant and mercy. In other words, if God is going to veer off, he's going to veer off on the side of being merciful. Why? Because he knows mercy is something that will keep us active in his image and doing what he believes that we'll do. For instance, if if you have invested, say you build a house and you've invested $30,000 in renovations. And they start digging under something and they found out it's take another $5,000 to get this right. But if not, that $30,000 won't be as productive or fruitful. We can't secure that unless we get this. 
the average person will go ahead and spend the five thousand dollars just because they're highly invested in it already same thing with us and God he's so highly invested in us he would rather show us mercy and get us back on the proper footing again so that we can continue to work for him build for him do what minister for him help humanity on his behalf he would rather invest in mercy toward us to help us to stay in the game I pity the people that feel that that God's soft on sin because he's been merciful to them. They missed the best part. I mean, you don't even know what it's like to live righteous. He's trying to show you how to live righteous. You know, you you missed the best part of living for God. And that's living with him every day. Without the condemnation of the devil pulling at your, your life all the time. It's wonderful to live for God. So he keeps covenant and mercy. The oath declares the determination of God to do good toward us. He can be trusted to do what he says he is going to do. He can be trusted. In his determination, he's able to keep the relationship with us. Even though his promises have not come to pass. Could you imagine a father who tells a child I'm going to get this for you and he never gets it but he still wants to keep a good relationship with the kid. God does that with us. His character is able to overtake any feelings we have of, of, of uh, lack or loss or bad reflection on him so to speak. His character is able to override that in a big way. Because he's able to fulfill us in so many other ways while we're waiting for what we call the biggie to come to pass. Something that we're waiting on God to do. You can live a joyful life with God and it's not a put on. It's a real joyful life because we're able to dig into a place in God in relationship that overrides and overshadows any negative feeling we might have toward him for what we haven't accomplished yet or what we haven't received yet. In fact, he's able to take it out of our minds, any kind of deficiency, loss, lack, any kind of feeling like that, based on the great fruit of the Spirit that he has for us. Fruit of the Spirit is is better than things. And we all know it because we lived out of them. You know, we've been to meetings. You know, when you first come to God, your house is a wreck. Your job's a wreck. Your kids are a wreck. Everything's a wreck. But you can have those times of, of great joy and worshiping God. And when you get in fellowship with the saints and you begin to pray and you get that release from him. And you go back home and everything's still a wreck. But you're living in the goodness of God now and not in the reality of things. So God is able to keep relationship with us. Even through our discouragement, our sickness, our poverty, our unemployment, our loneliness. All of those things he's able to keep relationship with us through all those things. And it's a great thing folks. No human being can offer that to you. No human being dare try to offer that to you. No human being would want that responsibility to give that to you. Only God can do that. So he dwells with us in relationship in integrity without 
him being embarrassed. He's not embarrassed that we don't have what we're asking for yet. His promise is good to us and he can he can dwell with us in peace and safety and encouragement. His integrity knows that his grace is sufficient. He knows it. And he knows that we can rely on his unmerited favor. The things that he gives us that that let us that send us those signals that we're still good with him. It's all good with him still. Those those things he knows that those things are are have a, an effect on us that mere material appearance of things will never do. And that's what he's after. He's after that true relationship with us. He knows what's best for us and he's governed by his laws. So if our faith has not developed enough for us for him to grant us those things, then he holds it off and blesses us with his grace and the fruit of the spirit to abide with him. And in that process, we know that we're not governed by the world's laws anymore. You've got to be governed by something greater than what you see if you're able to be content no matter what state you're in. <clears throat> A faithful creator does that. He's faithful to his laws. He's faithful to his own plans and integrity for you. He's faithful to what he's developing in you. He's faithful to all of it all at the same time. And he's able to develop character in us that we never could know that we'd have. Never know that we'd be able to stick with something as long as we have. His law is pure and there's no flaw in it and he knows it and he operates like that. His law doesn't need to be fixed or altered in any way. So it will be acceptable to others. We can preach the gospel just like he gives it to us. We can give our testimony just the way he, we've always given it to anybody. Give the same testimony over the same way over and over and over again. And it'll work every single time. Because it's, it's a pure account of what God has done for us. So if we'll keep those things in mind folks. We'll be more, uh, more uh, willing to pray, to believe God, to give ourselves over to the spiritual aspect of ourselves, to be able to believe God for great things and, and great things when we go out witness, great things that people will come to church. I don't care who hasn't showed up yet or what, what we're looking at in here in the natural. When you get in the realm of the spirit, it's full of God's integrity, the purity of the word. The word says he gives the increase. We've got to sow and let another water, but God gives the increase and thank him for increase expect increase don't don't let the enemy discourage you uh, by keeping your eyes on what you see increase comes from God and that's what he wants us to do and that's what we've got to do amen father in heaven we thank you for your word and for the integrity in your word for understanding it comes with your holy word the holiness of your word father it's pure there's no judgment against it and there's no law against it and we thank you for it we thank you for blessing us with it in jesus name amen praise god amen if anybody wants prayer come on up for prayer prayer